So before we get started on this one, how does it feel okay. to be a 37-year-old man with 500 Days of Summer on their top 10 favorite movies of all time list? Well, I wasn't 37 when I saw it. <laughs> it didn't come out this year. You should, it came you should. out when I was 28 years old. <laughs> okay. So lead us in. How does it feel to be a dick? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I, this film is great. You like it too, so shut your pie hole. <laughs> it, is, it is really uh, good. It, it's good. It's, it's, here's, this is what I think is the most interesting part about 500 Days of Summer. 500 Days of Summer is my seventh favorite film? I believe so. You should know up front, this is not a love story. I think we should stop seeing each other. It's the story of a breakup between jo jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the lovely and talented Zoe Deschanel. Um, the story of young love. But uh, what, I, what I thought was the most interesting about this film, watching it just the other day, was my perspective. And you bring up that I'm 37, so that's why I'm jumping into it. I'm, Everett's alluding to the fact that I'm an old man and shouldn't be liking a teenage love story. <laughs> um, but... Uh, watching it now, I, I really do, I side and empathize a lot more with Zoe Deschanel's character. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I see sort of her perspective a lot clearer. Because growing up, as a young Keith Macri, I was very much like George, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, generally. A little bit toned down, but, but I've always been a hopeless, hopeless romantic and thinking that the moment you feel love, it changes your life, and you know immediately, and soulmates, and blah, 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 all that stuff that doesn't exist, like, we're, we're is pointed out to <laughs> by, by Zoe Deschanel. Like, so, uh, but outside of that, I mean, I joke a little bit, but, but I was really interested uh, in learning as I watched it again, because I haven't seen it in a long time, to be honest with you. Um, just thinking like, yeah, like, I don't know, this, this guy's kind of a moron. <laughs> he's so far in the clouds, he's so far away from sort of reality uh, that he can't really see what's happening. Uh, and, and she is super clear. She's super clear the entire movie, which when I was younger, and just like the main character, you overlook. She never cheated on you. No, never. She ever take advantage of you in any way? No. And she told you up front that she didn't want a boyfriend. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I, I like about this film so much now as an, as an older person. I really adored it when I first saw it. I think I was a little late to the party, like I saw it a couple years after it came out. But I was in my mid-twenties and it really resonated with me for, for a lot of reasons. I think, I think it's really good. But just to speak to what you were just talking about, as an adult, as, a, as an older person, I, I feel like I have really firmly been each of those characters in my life. I've been both of those a hundred percent. Like, both of those extremes, because they view things so differently and so opposite, and I can relate equally to both of them. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about the film so much. And I think it's, it's interesting that you're, that you, Si you've said that you side a little more with Zoe Deschanel's character as uh, as Summer, as as she gets as you get older, or you understand more that she was being really clear. 
and with her intentions and her beliefs. Because I think, like, I think that's what makes the movie good, is, is one of the things that makes the movie good, is she is very clear, but she's also not. Like, actions speak louder than words. Like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's whole thing where he's like, shower sex, holding hands in Ikea. Like, these are not the acts of just casual friends. And I think that that's an important thing. Because I I feel like, hang on, hang on. I feel like... Oh, no, I'm so fired up. Because I'm going to... Like, there's another line right after that. But go ahead, go ahead. When, when, in the times I've been the Joseph Gordon-Levitt in these romantic situations, I really... I feel for him because I, I've had people that are like, no, I'm not really looking for anything, but they want to come over every night and, and cuddle and, 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 and have these conversations that you've never had with anyone else and have these really, so it's, so you can say she is being very clear, but she's not. And I can say that as someone who's been in that pos- in that exact other role that's been like, look, I'm not interested in anything, but I call you all the time and I want to come over and fool around and I'm gonna and yeah. I'm gonna have these really intimate conversations with you and and uh, no no strings attached. Like you're still an asshole. Like so it's it's a great balance. <laughs> this is fucking hilarious coming from your mouth. It's <laughs> hilarious coming from your mouth. Like this is is the. <laughs> Aren't you Mr. Uh, honesty? And aren't you Mr. Like, we, like, let's just be adults about it, let's talk about it, but still like, let's live in the moment and we can enjoy each other's company, but not have to put so much pressure and labels and like live in the moment and feel our feelings, but also like, I don't need to commit because... Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. You, but you could still be honest and know that what you're doing is kind of shitty, which is what she's doing. She's being honest so she's able to sleep at night. So she can always look yeah. back and say, I told him the truth. I always told him I wasn't interested, but she's still leading him on. Like there's no way around that. And she has to no, know he's that. Le- no, as someone who is always the, the other guy, the guy getting hurt and, and led on, when you look back at it, when I look back at it, <clears throat> at my life, and even in this story, he's leading himself on. He is choosing to believe those things. And even in the narration that 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 uh, that the narrator has, like in his head, like he's he's the one who's putting the emphasis on. I've never told anyone this before. He could feel the wall coming down. He wondered if anyone else had made it this far, which is why the next six words changed everything. And he's saying it like the narrator's like he's really feeling that this is a big moment, and maybe it's not a big moment for her. Yeah. It, he's just, she's just sharing because they're talking about something and it comes up and, and she trusts him and obviously she loves him. Obviously she cares about him and we'll get, I think the end we can get to a little bit later, but, but I think it is obvious that she cares. So he's, she's not leading him on, he is leading himself on because of what he wants and what he's choosing to accept and what he's choosing to ignore. He's choosing to ignore her words and only take her at, at what he feels his actions <laughs> at are. At everything else she's doing. This is hilarious but, that this is coming out of your mouth. That you're- I <laughs> know, this is, why, this, is cla- this is crazy talk on episode seven or whatever the fuck we're at. <laughs> this is, we're, we're a bizarro world right now, but like as an adult, or, or I wouldn't cl- class myself as, as an adult, I take that back. Uh, but uh, being older now and going through life a little bit more, and, and being hardened and bitter by certain situations that happen to your life, 
Uh, dead inside, I think, is the phrase I'm looking <laughs> as for. As a shitty man-child uh, with a disintegrating body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as all those things. Here, here's the best line of the film that I think uh, she hits on the head that is right after that fight that they had that I was going to jump in before. And to me, really hit home is because uh, she... They, they have that fight, he goes to sleep, they're both like looking at the phone, hoping to, you know, one calls or whatever, that sort of longing moment. And then she just comes over and it's raining and it's a little bit dramatic. And he goes, we don't have to put labels on anything, whatever, but I just want some consistency. I just wanna know that I'm gonna wake, that you're gonna wake up and not change your mind and just disappear one day. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. No, I get it. But, all right, but, and what she says to him is, I can't give you that. Nobody can. I can't give you that. No one can. No one can. And that encapsulates everything to me. Yeah. What he wants is, is absurd. He, it's, it's, it's not a real thing. And that's what young love is. And that's one of my favorite things that I was going to talk about of, of I think this film just captures what young love, maybe your first love, really feels like. And you think, and that's all you want it. You don't. You want it to never leave. You want it to believe it and trust it and feel it every second of every day because what a fucking high it is. But in reality, you you can't. That does. That's not real. No one can give that to you. No one can give what you're looking for, what this wow. guy is looking for. That level of love, like that's just not a real thing. No one can give that to you. And it's, I think it's his fault he gets hurt so much because that's what he's ho hoping for. This that's what he's looking wild. for. Wild. I'm just, I'm so, I'm in such disbelief about the positions you're Why? taking here. Uh, Why? Because <laughs> I'm an adult it, now. It doesn't seem like you would be on this side at all. I think. I know. That's I why I was interested. I don't. That's think why I thought it was crazy. Young love. That's where I think you're wrong. Is I think that mm. I, because I, I've always loved that that she said what she says there too. That you know I can't give that to you. No one can. And as someone that has spent almost all of my life being completely against the notion of traditional relationships and stuff, like I, that always resonated with me. I was like, yeah, yeah. But that it's not, it's not exclusive to young people or your first love or naivete to expect that from your partner because that's what I think people are expecting from their partner when they're getting married at 45. They think, oh, this is going to yeah. be someone that's committing to me and they're going to be there with me and they're always going to wake up and not change their mind because we've made a commitment. Can I, can I pause for a second? Of course. I got to, let's, uh, I'm going to stop recording. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He hung up. How are you guys? As well, Keith, Keith siding with Zoe Deschanel's character is something I did not see coming. Keith is a wonderful young man, but he, he's always been sort of a hopeless romantic, I feel like. Keith, wouldn't you agree? You're editing this episode. What about politics, huh? A lot going on. Got a butcher box shipment yesterday. I don't know if you guys are familiar with butcher box. A few steaks, a little tri-tip, chicken thighs, chicken breasts, maybe some bacon. Mm. It's really killing my my momentum here. I was just building up. I was gonna say some really revelatory things about 500 days of summer. You guys ever play Nintendo 64? It's my favorite system. I'm pretty good. I, I beat you. If you're like some 40-year-old guy that's like, ooh, I used to play the whole time. I, I beat you. I'm good. I wonder what Keith and Nicole are talking about. What do you think? Keith's 
small penis, his inability to satisfy her sexually. Those things are all relatively intertwined. <laughs> Anyways. Back in. Back in. God, I was making such good points earlier, too. I don't remember any of that. Me neither. I think this is actually where we left off. I like that it is a depiction of the emotion you feel when you are in young love. Mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, the, <laughs> so much speaks to emotion rather than like a literal, like it's very metaphorical in that, in, in that way, I think. Like the, <laughs> after the first time that they sleep with each other, uh, that whole dance sequence and, and he looks in the mirror of the car, you know, the car window and it, he looks like Harrison Ford and winking back at him. That's a great example, I think, of what this, what the movie does well as a whole. It just, it takes you through the ups and the downs of emotionally what it is to sort of experience what you feel is like your one true love, a unique love in your life. Yes. And that's something I can relate to, you know, feeling those highs and lows very much. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I love agree. that about the film. It, yeah, I actually wrote something like that down. I wrote, uh, the, the totally accurate depiction of the romanticization of falling in love, which is everything is for a reason, everything is fate. In a city of 400,000 offices, 91,000 commercial buildings, and 3.8 million people, well, that could only be explained by one thing, fate. Particularly as a younger man, I can remember feeling that way about so much. It really, some, some strong Ethan Embry in Can't Hardly Wait vibes coming out here where he's like, oh my God, she got the same Pop-Tart as me. The very same breakfast pastry that I was consuming at that moment. <laughs> yeah, I love Can't, I love Hardly, Can't Wait Hardly Wait too. It's not on the list, unfortunately, but I do love that film. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I, I miss that element of life being in my early 20s and just and and it's so exciting because it's oh my yeah. god she likes the same music as me oh my god yeah. that was that a sign you know and then it's like it never is but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> well I that's just, why i look at it so differently now like yeah. like now none of that stuff matters or is, is real to any real extent but when you're like i do miss that that uh Naive, naivete, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's the right word to use, but like it's amazing to feel that way and to feel uh, elated by, by your own feelings. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of something, this is bad. This is poor showmanship on my part, but we're going back to before Keith rudely interrupted our call. Because I remember one of the points I was trying to make was... What was the point? Was that you were, you were talking about how uh, Summer was very clear. She was always so upfront. But then I think that's hurt to an extent by the fact that she then gets married to someone else at the end, which I'm not saying like isn't realistic because that is incredibly realistic, but just for that, that point that you were trying to make about like it hurts her argument because, because you're saying that Joseph Gordon-Levitt should just take her at her word. But what if homeboy who she got married to just took her at her word, they wouldn't be getting married. Well, no, you don't know. You don't know the conversations that they had. The, the only insight you have into their relationship is at the end of the film, which is actually one of my complaints, which we can get to in a little bit. But at the end of the film, she says very neatly, you know, I was sure of with him what I wasn't sure with you. 
I'll extrapolate that out is that she she had a much different experience with that relationship. And the reason she was like it never felt right for her. If she liked him, yeah, but that's you, part you of can, falling in love. Is, but is that's you the to... point of you're right. That's that's what love is. Like you you you. How many times I I feel like I've said this a, a, a ton of times. I'm writing a short film about it. With like love is not the end all, be all. You I believe that she loves him. I believe that. And when she says why did you when he says why did you dance with me and she goes I wanted to, I wanted to dance with you oh, because I love she, you. Because she's a whore. You. That's why she danced with him. Doesn't doesn't no, mention the, that she's getting married. Well, that's not great. Whore. But but the, <laughs> the I mean that part's not great. But I but I do think what <laughs> you're right. Fuck this girl. I, <laughs> she's just like the rest of them. She's a no, bitch. I, I, They're all bitches. <laughs> but I, I think as a as an as an old as an older person now, like I, again, I, I think it's interesting the shift that I've had in in sort of perspective where I believe that you can love someone and you can feel that strongly, but like a true, honest love for someone and that not mean that that relationship works out. Yeah. Because those are two very different things. The practicality of what it is to exist in this world, in this life with someone is very different than just the raw emotion of love. Yeah. It, it, it just, so I think that she loved him. It just wasn't right. It just wasn't right for what that time their lives, where they wanted to go, like for whatever reason, it just like, it just, it wasn't love, wasn't the issue. And then you, then later in your life, after that relationship, you meet someone else. And then at that point uh, in your life, days, where you are at that How much time, later was it? It wasn't that much later. It was like Well, a that's, month. that's another complaint of mine too. I mean, it happens very, very quickly. <laughs> I mean, 500 days total from the day you meet to the day that you get over someone. Isn't that many, isn't that long yeah. in general, but uh, okay, I anyway. just think it's a it, it's a metaphor for it's just an example of that love wasn't right, and then her next the next relationship happened to be right. Yeah, because that guy was persistent she... and and knocked down those walls. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> no, because Joseph Go Jay's. You can get it. Joseph Gordon Levitt knocked all those. You know, he opened. He twisted the jar enough, and then yeah, the next he loosened guy just popped it. it open. He loosened the jar. Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> I think it's funny that you're that you're that you're more of a pussy than me. <laughs> no, I mean, I like I said, I like both sides of it because I get both sides. When I when I, definitely as I was younger, I sympathized more with JGL, and uh, as as I've gotten older, yeah, for the most part, I've been more on that summer side of things. And so I, yeah. I but I just think here, I think both of those characters are very believable and very fleshed out. Uh, and I think that that is a works to this film's advantage, obviously. Agreed. I, I like that they don't make her out to be a villain. Yeah. I think it would have been easy to make her be kind of a bitch and, and dishonest and manipulative, even though you might think she is. I don't. I think she's very honest and open and upfront, and they're kind of just going through this time period together and feeling it out and responding in different ways. Not that she's like an evil or, or a, a dishonest character. Yeah. I like that they represent both sides well. I agree. I don't think she's maliciously manipulative, but I think she's yes. just very selfish. I think that that is her, her con to her personality. Haven't you been, have you ever been selfish in a relationship? Yeah, no. I get it. I get it. And, but, <laughs> and that's, that's like what I'm saying. I, I keep saying the same thing I feel like over, is that I think this movie works so well because I would think most people can see some of them in both of these characters. Because everyone's been the person that's kind of 
fallen prematurely in love head over heels and everyone's kind of been the person that I kind of like that person but I also you know want to sleep with other people <laughs> no yeah, but you know there he is there's my guy yeah, there's my hey, special I'm guy <laughs> he's back everyone what's the point of any yeah. of this bullshit yeah love is meaningless that's what I've been trying to get to all day <laughs> love is worthless here's something that you wrote last week roses are red violets are blue fuck you whore one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema, when I saw it, because I saw this movie in theaters, and I remember seeing it and being like, holy shit, can I relate to this moment more than any other thing in this film? And I just thought it was genius when I saw it. The scene of when he's after the wedding and he is going to the, par the party that she invites him to, and you see the difference between expectations and reality. Because that is something that I have experienced so much as a, young, as, a, as a young kid navigating being single or in and out of relationships of, of sort of overthinking what this night means, what this night could be, the potential of this relationship, how we could, just in general. Uh, it's, 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 I was like, man, does that really accurately <laughs> Uh, explain how I feel during those moments because it never lives up to what to what you think and to put it in in film in a way that I, is so relatable I just at the time I was like yeah oh my god it makes me cry but I love it like it just it hit that nerve in such a good way for me so I, I love that scene it's my favorite scene like by far of that whole film yeah I knew from the second you said that I knew that that was what it was gonna be uh, yeah. I get I got the chills thinking about it that scene is so perfect it is so powerful. I've seen this movie a bunch because I, I really do like this movie a lot and I really, really liked it when I first saw it. And yeah. I've watched this movie, I don't know, you know, dozens of times. And on this last watch just a couple days ago, I started like tearing up during that scene. When, when, yeah. when the music drops in that way, right, as he sees her ring, like that is so heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking and so beautiful yeah. and so powerful. I just love everything about it. It really is like, it seems like hyperbole to be like a scene in 500 Days of Summer is one of the best scenes of all time. But I really well, think awesome. it might be. It's so well done. Yeah. Regina Spector is the singer and her she has the intro song too, which is really good. But uh, mm. that song is just so perfect. It's just, it's just everything good about what film can be. It's different, you know, it's, it's original and it's side by side format. It's emotional, it's kind of funny in some in its own way at the beginning where you're kind of like, oh, this is funny, I get this. And then the music and it's performative and it's, and then it gets abstract, you know, or surreal. He runs out into the street and it turns into a sketch. Like it's just a masterwork. I just, yeah. I love it. Another thing that I really like about the film is, is the film style. So on the sort of production side of things, are uh, I think the most impressive thing is the is the is the way they tell the story. It is not your traditional. They meet, they fall in love, they break up, they get back together, they get married happily ever after. Like sort of formula. Towards the end of the film, they have these like little interviews in like black and white on like super eight millimeter film about like describing like what their soulmate is or what love is or something along those lines. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's just out of nowhere. Like I, I, I think they did an amazing job of how to tell a story in a nonlinear way, but, but also by using a lot of metaphors or, or things that are not even 
related to the physical story, like, like those little inserts, those little cutaways of just people talking about love, those characters elaborating, um, using that as a device to further the, the narrative a little bit when it just seems indirect to what the actual plot is. I, I, feel, like if I, I feel like if I wrote that today and, and submitted that draft to, to, to a script reader or something, they'd be like, why are these here? Like, what are these, what are these doing? These come out of nowhere, they look different, they feel different, they have no bearing on this relationship. Like, you yeah. know, like I don't see it. Like, I feel like there'd be a lot of criticism for that, but I just, I think it's, it's really, uh, really well done how they, how they do it. Yeah, the, the surrealist and sort of self-aware nature of the film is really, I think, what really makes it special. I think those little interludes or what have you, those little inserts that wouldn't have a place in like a traditional sensical movie are, some, are the things that are most memorable like the musical number after they bang for the first time and the expectations versus reality scene and these things that aren't normal constructs in a film uh, make it special. And I think, I think it establishes that so perfectly early on. I can remember watching this the first time and that little text that appears on black screen at the beginning and then it says, except you, Jenny Beckman. Bitch. Like, I, I, I remember seeing that the first time and going like, oh, I'm really going to like this. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's just enough sort of tongue-in-cheek without ever going, like, leaning too far into it. You know what I mean? It never feels like too much. And yeah. the, the, the sort of self-awareness of the narration, I think the narrator does a really great job kind of connecting it all together. It's just, it's really, it's really brilliantly executed. For all intents and purposes, Summer Finn, just another girl. Except she wasn't. All right, what didn't you like? Oh, well. Unless there's other things you did like that I didn't. No, no, cover. we can. It'll, I'm sure it'll come full circle. I think. I think this film. And we I've brought this up before in past discussions about the concept of like a perfect film, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe that there are some films that I just think are perfect films, whether or not they're my favorites or not. I just think they're perfect. This one is kind of close. Like, I really think it's for what it is, right? For what it is, it's almost a perfect iteration. To me, the most glaring problem is the little sister. And I thought that from the minute I saw this film. It, much like when we talked about in Wedding Crashers, the grandma. I thought yeah. that this is like a trope that was popular at that time. We got to have a foul-mouthed old person. And then when it wasn't that, it was, we got to have like a wise beyond their years kid that advises yeah. the adults. And so I thought that even by the time I saw 500 Days of Summer for the first time, I thought, oh God, they're doing a wise little kid thing. And they do it. It's just so egregious. And I think it's the most unnecessary, most unbelievable, almost least entertaining part of the film. And I, I, it almost ruins it. Who's Lars from Norway? Just some guy she met at the gym with Brad Pitt's face and Jesus's abs. So it doesn't ruin it. It doesn't do it. Yeah. But it's, if anything was going to, it would be little Chloe Grace Moretz or whatever, you know. What's this? Oh, it's vodka. Like, oh, you know all this? Your, your parents yeah. let you ride your bike around at the night to your, like, it's just, you know, you, you have so many boyfriends, you're, calling your brother a pussy and it's, the whole thing is just, it's just unnecessary. My least favorite part of the film is 
is his speech at the at the at the end at the card at his business about the cards. Oh, that's random. Yeah, that that I don't like it. Yeah, it's a random thing not to not to like. That feels it. It every time I even even when I watched it at the at the time I watched it, it, it felt very. That's the only part of the film like you think the girl is sort of formulaic. This part of the film felt formulaic to me. It felt very much like, oh, this is the time of the film that this has to happen. It didn't feel like it happened sort of organically. And the speech that he says isn't very, I don't think it's very poetic. What I think happened is they're like, okay, we're gonna have this moment where he gives an impassioned speech to everybody about love and heartbreak and whatever. And then they're like, oh, it would be great if he wrote greeting cards and then you could work, (laughs) like I feel like they work back to that rather than, because there's no other reason for them to be writing greeting cards or do it. Like she could have been an assistant at a finance company and he could have been in finance. Like it has no bearing on the film whatsoever, only to have that moment, only to have those worlds sort of collide and it to be his tipping point. Like it just, I don't know. It feels very forced to me. I don't, I don't love the, the writing of it. I don't, I don't love what he says. It fe- and it feels very forced when he does it. All right. That's, yeah, I think that's I think that's random. I don't think I agree. Like a you know, okay. it's not like I'm like so oh, you, that you scene is you, phenomenal. You fucking, <laughs> that's the scene that you makes think the, whole the thing greatest go. speech. And you think it's better than I have a dream speech? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. A lot more impactful. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I just you know I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I like what he says when he says I think we do a bad thing here. Like I think that's kind of a neat line. Uh, but no, I, I don't really have strong feelings about it one way or the other. That scene has never leapt out to me. There's enough bullshit in the world without my help. The last thing I'll say is is more of a, a personal like beef that I have with it. The end of the film bothers me in in the sense of how clean how clean cut it is. It's just super neat and packaged. And, I, and I'm not even talking about the end where he meets the girl. Like that final scene, I will live with that. I, I know you have to have that in for, for a film to have like its happy ending. But the scene where they meet again, just randomly at the bench that they, you know, frequent, um, bothers me. Just how neat and tidy that whole conversation is. And he gets closure. Like he gets this perfect amount of closure in his relationship that is to me beyond unrealistic. It's more believable that a group of people learned a choreographed dance after he had sex with her and a make-believe pigeon flew on the kid's hand than it is to me to have this perfect beautiful moment at the most important location in your life with this love of your life and she gives you the full explanation as to why you aren't together anymore and how she could move on with her life. Like that really bothers me. And that's probably not from a film standpoint. It's from a personal yeah, standpoint. You're just, you're just so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're, you're a thousand percent correct. And I know that, but it rubs it just, so I'm sharing it, my, my feelings with you. Don't, don't cut me down. Yeah. I'm vulnerable. I, I wish you wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's what everybody says. But <laughs> no, I'm getting I, it. I, I yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it seems uh, egregious because I don't think he, like I, I I get what you mean in terms of getting closure, but I also don't think like she's not telling him what he wants to hear, so it's a little bit different. 
But that's but but that's fine. Like what in in real life, not that this is real life exactly or whatever. But he just never hears from her again. They don't randomly just. Or even if they do, if they have that cross chance meeting, it's awkward and it's not. It's the line that really sticks out to me is the line where he where she says, "What I was never sure of with you." That's such a succinct gut punch that no one would ever say to an ex. It'd be like, "Yeah, I was never sure you were the one with for me." Well, she might. She's a bitch. No, she's never that bitchy. She's never, that's, that's out of character for her to be malicious about it. Like no one would ever, it's just, it would be, if they had a chance encounter where they met on the street and he's leaving a coffee shop and she's turning the corner and they bump into each other, which is a lot more plausible than them just going to their perfect romantic spot together, then it would just be an awkward conversation. Let me ask you this. When, when they were at the wedding together, Towards, you know, second half of the movie, they go to the wedding, they dance, they're flirting, she falls asleep on him on the train. <laughs> Did she mention to him that the party that she invited him to, her, him to was an engagement party? Did she mention that she had a fiance? She's a bitch. <laughs> she is heartless. She kissed him at All work. All women are heartless. Who, who's what? kissing people at work casually? Oh yeah, we just, just make out just so. Oh. That's adorable. That's an adorable scene. Yeah, it's the hot. First is to what make it is. Out I don't know work. if it's adorable. It's it's, it's, it's love. It's there just like it's you love. know passion. <laughs> passion. <laughs> yeah, I literally have that in my notes. It's the one thing I haven't talked about yet. Is I just wrote she kissed him at work with an exclamation point, all caps. <laughs> that seems like something you would probably have done. Oh, I neither confirm nor deny. I plead the fifth. <laughs> uh, no, that's it was <laughs> deaf totally. I love the scene before it where it's just so awkward. Wow. Not right. She clearly wants him to like kiss her yeah. and make a move. Yeah. And he won't because that's something I can always relate to. Just being <laughs> scared and yeah. be like, oh, no, you haven't written a hand, you know, written note to me that says I consent to you kissing me. So I, yeah. I, who knows. Um, and then she just does it herself the next day or whenever they, you know, whenever they say so. I, I, yeah. I like it. That's a shitty thing to nitpick. Like, I, like, no, it's I'm just not part nitpicking of... that because I, I like that too. I think I was thinking yeah. during that scene when they don't kiss after the first karaoke night, like that a lesser film would have had them kiss at that moment. That it would yeah. it's, it's so easy and predictable and it makes it more interesting that they don't. And then all the more Agreed. interesting that and she kisses him the next day. Agreed. And I, and I like it. The film does such a good job throughout at things like that. Except for for the end, the end is just so neat and tidy. That 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 closure conversation feels so neat and tidy. It bothers me because because I want that. Give that to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Let's let's call your therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think I think the ending of the film itself with Minka Kelly and Autumn is is the really neat and tidy part. And I think that that, like you've said though, like is necessary. Like it works. To, to like let everybody know it, there you know you, you too okay. can end up with a maxim cover girl if you do move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just got to be it's fate it's circles fate, back it's fate you we're all destined to be with cover girls yeah so next he'll meet uh winter right oh <laughs> well, yeah uh, well is there another way to say winter other than winter because autumn is solstice <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Winter Solstice. Oh, your parents were hippies. <laughs>